Hi, thanks for joining us on another episode of Teacher Nerds Podcast. Joe and Ron are self-proclaimed teacher nerds geeking out on all things education. They are looking to move educational practices out of the 1900s factory worker model to a student-driven classroom full of empathetic, creative, and collaborative students who are willing to take risks. Joe and Ron welcome you to join discussions they used to have privately, where they discussed educational tools, techniques, ideas, policies, and much more. Joe is a third grade teacher and Ron a technology teacher for grades three to eight. Thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds. Check us out on teachernerds.com and that's nerds with a Z. Find us on Instagram at teacher nerds podcast or on Twitter at teacher nerds. And now a word from a sponsor. Four, have you heard about the nerds? What's the word? Teacher nerds. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. After listening to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam! Trying to take the teaching from one level to the next. Reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teacher nerds. Start the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Teacher Nerds Podcast. I'm Ron Nober. I'm Joe DiPaolo. I'm a technology teacher, third grade to eighth grade. And I'm a third grade teacher. And today we have uh, Katie Martin joining us. So welcome, Katie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And Joe and I saw Katie down at uh, Texpo 2020 in New Jersey in January. Things were a little bit different back then. <laughs> we could right. have a conference together in a big conference room. Way um, back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Katie, do you want to just maybe uh, tell us a little bit, of, or the audience, a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, I am Katie Martin. Like they said, I am. Uh, I think of myself as a middle school teacher still. I taught language arts uh, in Hawaii. Um, and I just, I love teaching middle school and still some of my favorite years in education. I was an instructional coach and worked at the district office to run our new teacher mentoring program. And for the last 10 years, I have been involved at the university level, um, organizational level to support, um, schools and districts to create conditions to make, um, to make life, I won't say easier, but to, to really support the conditions so that teachers can do what they need for their kids in their classrooms. Um, I have a deep belief that teachers and those closest to kids should be making the decisions about learning day in and day out, and that organizations need to create the conditions to trust, empower, and really support um, and really impactful learning in our classrooms. Uh, in addition to that, I am a mom of a fourth and a fifth grader, and so I learn day in and day out about their lives, and especially learning a lot as they are home learning with me, and I get to, to work with them and teach them. And I teach grad school classes, which I have tonight, um, for educators as well, which I love to do. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. All right. So as normal, we'll start with our two yes mores, one no way. And today our topic is pets that you would want to own. And I guess one that you wouldn't want to own. It's time for two yes more, one no way. Katie, I, we usually ask the guest if they would like to go first or you'd like to have Joe or I go first. Uh, I want you guys to go first. Okay, sounds good. Um, so I'll jump in with this one, Joe, if that's all right. Definitely, Ron, take it away. All right, so two pets that I would want to own. One, me being a dog trainer as well as a, a teacher, um, a dog has to be one. And we have boxers. We have three boxers, and they're just one of my favorite breeds of dog. The other that I would want to own, that my wife would never in a million years let me own, would be some kind of monkey. <laughs> I, I would just love to have a monkey running around the house. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I think it would be a blast. Um, the one that I would not want to own, and it really comes from uh, what I've watched during the quarantine, is a tiger. <laughs> worry about my wife maybe feeding me to the tiger or something like that, you know, uh, but uh, 
That's a good one, Ron. That was a good one. That's good. <laughs> Tiger is one I would not want to own. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, Katie, Katie, do you want to go next? Uh, sure. And then you can bring it home, and yeah, maybe I'm, people will forget my answer. I was, <laughs> I was telling telling the guys like I'm not much of a an animal person. I really love people, and not as many, not as much animals. I didn't grow up with animals. Uh, but we do have a small little tortoise that just roams around our house. So I want to oh. keep my tortoise because he's pretty cool. Buddy Pretzel Myrtle Martin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's one. That's all. That's names one name. One? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Right. Yes. He was cool. named by a three-year-old okay, cool. <laughs> five years ago. Uh, and then another one that I would get, I would, I would, I a dog, I think I could, I could deal with, um, I personally like the dog that lives at my grand, my parents' house, and my kids think it's their dog, so that's the best case scenario. That's the best um, kind so of dog with, you could have. Yep. It's Someone totally else. the best dog, yeah. yes. Keeps everybody happy and doesn't have to live in my house. Uh, and then an animal that I would not want, uh, there's a lot, but I think for, the, for this purpose, I would say a cat. Uh, agreed. Yep. agreed. I'm allergic. <laughs> So yeah, uh, you know. So is uh, my husband. So that's what I'm. I'm going with go. that. <laughs> I'm not a cat person at all. Like I do like animals. So I'll start with my one no way since it's the same thing. I'm not big on cats and and wouldn't want a cat in the house. Um, my two yeses though. One of them I I do have right now. It's a dog, and I've had dogs before. I love them, and uh, it would have to be a golden though. We have a golden retriever now, and and. It's our, it's my third dog. The second one was a lab. Her name was Gidget and she was great. And I thought I would never love another dog. And then we had the golden. So awesome dog, love the breed. So definitely uh, a, another golden retriever. Um, and my second is, is one we were just talking about the other day. I want chickens. Oh, yeah. I, I, I want, I want, and, and I, I even looked into it our, where we live, there's an ordinance. You have to have at least an acre of land and and we we don't have an acre of land but i do have a six foot fence and and i, <laughs> and I think ron was i talking to you when i when i my my biggest question was will anyone hear it if they're on the other side of the fence um you could always try it out well you know well you know that's that's my next step how much is the fine to uh <laughs> if i do get caught and i and like it is it worth the fresh eggs <laughs> and we you know, uh, on at our house, we live out in the country, so we have also ducks, chickens. Um, you know, so we get fresh eggs every morning. All right, That's so that was a lot cool. of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like it. Well, right, so you know, Katie, we saw you at Texpo, and you know, I, I just I've been reading your book, uh, Learner Centered Innovation, and the the one thing that stuck out to me that I'm still like my mind is constantly racing is the two simple words, what if it was, you know, I read that and I was, I was out cutting the grass and my wife looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> Cause I was like shaking my head and I'm going right on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always talk to the kids in school about what if nobody said, Hey, I want to own a transportation company, but I don't want to own any cars. You know, they, somebody came up with the, what if, what if I do build a, property rental company, but I don't own any property. And, you know, you have Uber and Airbnb and Lyft and, you know, those what ifs are the things that drive us forward. I, I, I think, well, there's, there's a YouTube video or a Google video that I love and it's, you know, about the Rubik's cube. And they say, you know, instead of asking kids to find the right answers, how can we inspire them to find the right questions? And, and really thinking about when we connect kids with the right questions, instead of the right answers, it can set them on a path to change the world, just like you said. Yeah. It could change their day-to-day -day environment. It could change how they look at the world, but it also can inspire them to create and do things differently that will actually solve problems for everyone else, which is exactly what we need to happen, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we're in that, that now, right? I mean, you know, I think a lot of kids are and teachers are allowing kids to maybe explore a little bit more now because so many states have canceled state testing and yeah. you, know, you I, don't. I, I want to call it find your own curriculum. 
Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I, I had a parent text me today and, and her, her child, I love this little kid. And, and Katie, we work in the inclusion classroom. So this little, you know, student struggles to learn the way uh, a lot of teachers want you to sit there and be quiet. And, you know, like that's not the way this kid learns. And, and he is a phenomenal kid that's excelling this year because we kind of, you know, let loose on the reins and, and, you know, want him to thrive. And, and the mom texts me, she goes, listen, this fairy tale, it's all about farming. And everything's always been about farming because that's his thing. And she goes, do you want me to, you know, push him to change things up? And I said, listen, if farming is going to be the vehicle that carries the schoolwork, I'll read fairy tales about farming for the rest of the year. Um, but then it, it's, you know, what's going to be cool is eventually well, I'm going to say, look, I don't care what you're right about. If you want to write how to plant this thing or, you know, from here on out, like uh, fairy tales are the curriculum. So, hey, we hit fairy tales. And now it's like, guess what? You want to write and you want to write about this. And I think I might even see, I don't want to say better writing, but yep. m more of a more of a race, right, to get to writing now as, as yeah. opposed to, you know, here's the curriculum on day one. Here's the curriculum on day two. Yeah, I mean, when kids, well, and not just kids, when learners, us as adults too, are invested and care about something, it's much more meaningful. And we talk a lot about kids not being motivated today, right? Kids aren't motivated. They won't do all this in school. And it's because they often don't have passion or desire to study the things or do things in the way that we pre prescribe them in school. And so, like you said, this kid, he doesn't learn the way that we do it in school. And so many of our kids don't learn the way we do it in school. And then we label them special ed, right. you know, and yeah. we label them special needs instead of just understanding that the variability is the norm, right? That, that it is normal to be different. And we've, we've created this assumption that there is an average and that everybody should do the same thing instead of saying, what are you interested in? What are the skills? And let's, let's get you on that path. I had a, a friend tell me today, and I love this story. She said, um, you know, there's this, this idea that learning happens in school, where instead now learning is happening everywhere. And it right. really always has and happened inside of learners. And her, her kindergartner, they've been going out on walks, and they keep seeing all these lizards. And so she said, now she's so interested in lizards because she sees them. She had an experience. She saw something, sparked her curiosity. They came back home, they read about lizards, they've been doing research on lizards, she's talked to her grandparents about lizards, talked to her family, and now they start doing all this research. That's learning. She's learning how to read, write, communicate, synthesize information at five years old because she's passionate and because she had an opportunity to just go out and explore. And so often we curb that learning because you got to come in, you got to do the worksheet, we got to get through the curriculum, and we don't learn so much in the process except maybe that i'm not good at school or this isn't the right way to go about things well and and in sweden right their whole their whole first couple years of school is based on going outside and exploring and and playing and learning through your world and how to interact with your world um as opposed to sitting down and you know read this book at this level or um, you, and you're, you're an A, you're an A, you're, you're in kindergarten and you're a C. Look at you. You're a great reader. Johnny, what are you doing wrong? Um, yeah. and, and that's, what's going to kill their, you know, that drive. And you were talking during that whole, uh, your whole keynote and Ron and I are just turning going, yeah, right. Like this, <laughs> it's this, she's saying the stuff that we had these conversations about. And, and then Ron's like, we got to see if she'll even be on our podcast. Yeah. And then, and then when you said, oh, I'm so interested in getting in the podcast. I don't know if you saw it, but like both our <laughs> eyes were like, oh, this is going to, this is, this is the invitation. She just opened the door. And yeah, I was like I was bug, so, bunny eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that you guys asked. But I think what you both just said is, is what the, this moment in time. So, right. We're like starting week seven or I guess of coronavirus yep. quarantine, yep. at least here in, um, in California. And there is severe challenges, right? I don't want to, I don't want to um, overshadow that. There's challenges, there's inequities, and many people are facing some very difficult hardships and loss and death. Um, but at the same time, this forced, um, you know, 
this forced way that we're looking at school and this forced remote emergency learning, um, I think is an opportunity where we don't have those constraints anymore that we have always had. We don't have the schedule. We don't have the textbook that we have to get through. We don't have the testing that we have to prepare kids for. Um, and all those things that we have been saying for so long as educators, if I didn't have this, I could teach my kids in the way that they really learn. Right. And, and so like you mentioned, when we say, what if, this is the opportunity to really reframe the problems and think differently about our education system and say, not how do we just put school online and how do we keep, you know, do this six hours a day from home, but how can we think differently about our goals? What is it we want kids to know and do? How can we really create those opportunities and experiences for kids to explore, find their passions, um, and, and really create that different opportunity to see school and create the new way forward that we really believe is the right way for kids. Which, which and, is, and the coronavirus is going to be the impetus to help us do that. And, and that's what's cool. Like our whole world has changed, right? And, and yeah. it has changed as far as educate, but education has never changed. And now it's almost like someone's throwing a wrench into the, into that 19th century school schooling. Yeah. Where th that's not working now. Um, that's what Ron and I always say, like, hopefully I guess, you know, not that, not that it's hopeful, but you know, maybe this is the catalyst where people yeah. will go back and, and start to change the way they do things. Um, not because it is the right thing to do, but now it's almost like in preparation for what if this happens again? Yeah. You know, like how, how can I not lose four weeks of, of back and forth? How do I get online here? How do I do this? What's this yeah. password to get all that going and have that as part of, you know, uh, not that maybe the flipped classroom is the way, but definitely something to look into. So, you know, it, it's not just come in, sit down, read the book. Yeah. Uh -oh. I yeah, I have. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I think so. You know, a lot of teachers are getting to see their students that they had for, you know, a good portion of the year. And they're seeing them now in a different light where you're seeing some of these students thrive, you know, in this environment because they're kind of in charge of their own learning. Um, so I, my hope is that teachers will kind of go, hmm, maybe there's something to this, you know, letting yeah. them be in charge. So I think there's there's two sides to that. I mean, there's two sides. So I've heard a variety of things as I've been talking to families and kids and watching my own kids go through this. And one way is I've seen just what you're saying, Ron, is that kids are driving their learning now. They're able to make choices about where they sit and what they want to do first, and do they want to do their math first, or where do they want to read, or what projects they want to engage in. You know, my daughter just pulled out um, her her phone, and she was live streaming a cooking lesson lesson to a friend. I was <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's awesome. Um, you know, she just made a lotion outside, and my kids made a tree, a built tree house with my husband last week. Oh, cool. um, so they're doing some really cool things, and I know so many kids are, um, and a lot of people have said, we can't put that genie back in the bottle, right? Like these kids are now, they've experienced learning in ways where they can be in the driver's seat. On the other hand, educators have told me, kids don't know how to learn. Our kids are struggling because we are not there guiding them step by step along the way. And I think both are true. And so if, if we expect kids in the classroom, we have this like aura of compliance, right? We know, we feel like I can put this on the board, you write it down, we go through the book, you can take the test, like there's a system and a structure where you can basically just like, I can guide you step by step and at times pull you through. But when kids are home, teachers can't do that. They don't have the classroom structure to do that. And so there's a rub of both of those things that kids used to be able to be pretty compliant and go through the motions and everyone could get their work done for the most part. And now we're seeing that's harder to meet the needs of all kids in this way. But at the same time, you're seeing more and more kids expand and go beyond just going through the curriculum and really doing some cool things. And so I think it's interesting, how do we teach kids to learn? How do you teach them to navigate their world and really, you know, research and and my daughter's learning how to structure her day and she missed an appointment and she's frustrated. Wow. And so just those little things about how do I how do I manage my time and, and structure those things are great skills to learn. And what if I have a question? Where do I go to learn? How do I figure that out without waiting for someone to tell me the answer? And it's going to be 
a really interesting time to see how kids really start to develop those skills. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been talking to a, another middle school teacher um, at our school. And one of the things we were saying is we have seen that we do need when we get back to normal to set up problem solving because a lot of the, that's one of the things we've seen that students were not good at because in the classroom, if they have a problem, they just raise their hand, teachers there, they come over. We, we need to focus a little bit on that when yeah. we get back into the new norm, you know, the normal, whatever that's going to be when we get back to school. Um, no, problem yeah. solving is huge. My, my hope, we, we run, we had the opportunity for teachers to run a SPARK program and it's a, mm -hmm. it's a 20% program. And, and the, ki the kids, I think, that participate in this do, you know, from, from very early on in September and October, learn how to use YouTube as a tool to, to learn how to, how to learn about engines or how to figure this out. And, and that's, you know, Katie, I think that's where, at least in our district, that we can, we can start to pursue, hey, this is how you learn, you know. And, right. and then when, when you do have those, those uh, things come up in the curriculum where severe weather and the, you know, the legislative branch, like those tough topics, to get through the curriculum and then say, hey, you know what, why don't you go do whatever part of that you're interested in so you can yep. start to, you know, teach them how to learn to be better prepared. So that's what my hope is, is, is that it wasn't something that was mandatory at our district, but we do have, you know, the kids that go through it or third graders that are making interactive posters and, you know, doing the things like you were saying your, your, your kids are doing. And, and that's, to me, that's what's exciting to see the little kids make videos and, and public yeah. service announcements and, hey, check this out and, you know, trying to bring someone's attention to something or, you know, starting those causes and the drives. I mean, that's that's learning so much more than, hey, what's the legislative branch do for you and who's in charge yeah. of it? And, and it's adorable because those little kids can't even say legislative, <laughs> but, but they get so excited to go make the video, you know? And, yeah. And, and so did, did they learn anything about legislation? <laughs> Who knows? But they learned the words hard to say, but then they also learned maybe how to use, you know, uh, a platform like WeVideo that even in five years, if WeVideo isn't what they're using, there'll still be a similar program where, you know, there, there's some type of learning going on and, it, and it's real learning that that's, yeah. that's real world. Um, well, what you're saying is that authenticity, right? Like, yep, you yep. know, just because it's, it's here in the textbook may not make it relevant, but there are things about science that kids are really interested in and how germs spread right. and how people make decisions. You know, there are so many things that are so relevant right now. So if you just have an abstract concept about the legislative branch, that might not mean anything to you. But hey, look, our parks are closed. Our schools are closed. Who makes those decisions? Why do they make those decisions? Those are things that matter and we can tie them back to relevant to relevant content. And I think those are the things that, that really matter. And, you know, as we look forward, I, you know, we, there's this notion like, do we go back to normal and what that means? And my hope is that we don't go back to normal, is that we use this opportunity as a, as a catalyst to say, this has really shown a light on some of the many inequities and challenges. And we were just at a conference and Carlos Moreno from Big Picture Learning had said like, this is the time to not just do what's comfortable, but right. really lean into what's uncomfortable and make those decisions so that we don't replicate the systems that have not worked in the past and move forward to a place where we can have a more just and equitable and authentic learning system that is really designed for each and every kid, not just a narrow, you know, um, mythical vision of, of, you know, normal or average. And I think the one cool thing is a lot of teachers had have now who may, may not have been learners in their adult life as much had to jump in and, and really take on learning brand new things, brand new platforms. Um, yeah. So I think that may even shed some light because I, I, in the book you had talked about, you know, take an experience where you've learned something and yeah. then do a reflection on it. And I said, you know, I kind of took note on that and I said, this would be a great PD opportunity when we get together at a staff meeting. Yeah. Everybody had to learn something new. Right. Well, I bet you are like the most popular guy in the world right now, right? As a tech integration coach, like all of a sudden they're like, hey, Ron, remember what you tried to teach us? 
could you yeah. remind us? <laughs> you know, like I've done, and, I've done and, quite a few Zoom <laughs> learning. <laughs> I bet. You know, now they're like, hey, now I have a reason to use that stuff. It's not right. just an add-on, you know, and I think that it should serve as a, as a learning point for all of us moving forward too, that when people need things and when there's a relevant reason, they will use the tools. But some people don't just want to use new tools because it's flashy and fun. They want to use it because it serves a real, authentic purpose. Right. The, 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 the people on my team, the, what we're all doing together, it's, it's amazing because we're, you know, we're showing them all this stuff and they're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then next thing you know, a couple of days later, they're like, man, like, holy smokes, for, for next year, this is what we should, because as, you know, we're a third grade team and we yeah. are a really good tight team and there's multiple um, book studies that we go through and, and, you know, we're now planning <laughs> so much more for next year already. Um, whether or not we have to do this remotely or not, you know, all these resources will be there because they're not just bells and whistles, you know, right. for a student to be able to listen, you know, to listen to a, to a read aloud as a class to enjoy the book and then be able, you know, for their first time reading it to be able to yeah. sit back and enjoy and then to have it, you know, read by the teacher put it into a, a program like Edpuzzle to stop at a specific point. Cause in, in third grade, if, if they have to sit there and listen for more than three or four minutes, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, Hey, there's a squirrel over there and right. hey, there's a groundhog out, but you know, so now <laughs> it's, it's every couple of minutes it's stopping and, and taking notes. And it's, you know, it's not just a bells and whistles program. It's, it's, I guess you can gear it towards the, the mechanics of, of learning and, and know yeah. third graders every couple minutes are going to stop and put something down on their own. They might not do that, but those fancy programs will stop it for you and you can tell yeah. them where to stop and put the, and once again, you know, our, our great tech guy, Ron had talked about that for a while. And, and all of a sudden this year I've used it more in the past couple weeks than, you know, cause I knew it was always out there, but having the time and I guess in, really the necessity and and yeah. but now it's like there's the i will say the worst part about this uh pandemic is not being and ron and i have talked not being able to turn it off because right. now there is so much to do and and we right. have ideas of where so it's it's five o'clock in the morning here we go and it's it's 8 30 <laughs> at night like Ooh, hold on you know what let me try this yeah. where you know that's so it's it's great to have the time and all the resources but but it's it's it could be a it's, curse as well. Yeah, um, it's hard to find the, the 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 boundaries between work and home now because we, you know, it's hard to find the boundary between Monday through Friday and the weekend. <laughs> you know, there's just like, what day is it? <laughs> that's why I didn't even, I that's why I said, is the podcast tomorrow or right, the next right. day? Because I don't know <laughs> what day it is. <laughs> um, and I I think that those are things that we also need to be aware of for our kids. And as I watch my own children. Um, helping them navigate. They're in, I think, week three of really their like formal distance learning program. And week one was really hard. It was it was really challenging just emotionally to get back yeah. in it and to um, to navigate it. It was challenging, you know, just to find all the tech tools. I thought I never wanted to be an IT person. And now <laughs> I can add this to my job description, just because I felt like I was just like passwords and cords and it was so overwhelming and we're well equipped to have all that stuff, but right. families and kids are also navigating so many more emotions at home. Right. Like you just said, like where are the boundaries and where does it stop and how much do I have to do? And so I think that's also what we have to be aware of as we navigate this, that we have more time to do things and to slow down. But we also have to realize that we have a lot more like just challenges emotionally and we have to be open and, and acknowledge those too. I am, uh, I'm very fortunate because I do have 20 students as a third grade teacher. So I am in contact with 18 or 19 of those parents. So when I do notice something's not in, I call, I say, yo, I don't see it. Oh, Mr. Brown, you're like, oh, great, sweet. Don't worry about it. I'm going to check you off and do it. You know, so if I think if you don't have that mentality and, and that's why a lot of times I can sleep easy at night because I know I'm in contact with the people and, yeah. and every, everything that we are putting out is, is manageable. There's extra stuff. If they, if they want to pursue more, you know, the biggest problem seems to be Mr. Apollo, if it doesn't come from your lips, like, and it's not a sign, they won't do it. So, 
So, so now it's, it's trying to find those extra fancy ways of not just assigning things, uh, but we started a news network so the kids could now uh, have more of a, of a drive to pursue it because now they can come on and talk about it and we send that out to all the parents. Um, so, you know, like just, cool. just to get them excited about it because it is so, it's crazy. And, you know, I went, yeah. from, I'm never wearing sweatpants again to doing these in, in bow ties and, and shirts. And now I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> Maybe. Now you're like, I'm never wearing the bow tie again. I'm only wearing sweats. <laughs> Katie, you're going to get a clean t-shirt and that's it. <laughs> I, I'm impressed. I'm at very least, impressed. At least it's clean. <laughs> you know, one Our of the standards things, have changed yes. dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I thought was, was interesting, you had a section in the book where you talked about like what schools say they want and then what, you know, the reality is. And, and yeah. One of the things that struck me was we always talk about in our school, you know, digital citizenship and mm -hmm. proper use of social media, but students can't create a YouTube channel. They can't have Twitter. They can't have any social media. This has opened the door for that for me because they're at home learning. So right. I've had students now, I just had two students, our eighth graders who are doing a project and they're going to create an Instagram account and they're going to do cooking. Uh, they're going to be the hosts. Parents are going to do the cooking. And I would have never been able to do that in the classroom um, and give them that experience and talk to them about, hey, you are a brand just as much as Amazon and Nike. And, you know, so what do you want your brand to be? Yeah. Uh, it, it was a great, you know, that for me has been a great experience. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I, this is something that I think, again, I keep talking about as we go forward, but, but this is the perfect time to really say, do our, is, does our vision really align with what we do day in and day out? Right. If we say we want kids who are collaborative, critical thinkers and innovators, if those are the things we say in our mission statements, and those are the things we talk about in our staff meetings, yet we only hold kids accountable for completing the worksheet, and we don't let them try new things and venture out, are we really supporting that, you know, what we think should happen in schools? And I think what you said, it's a, it's a catalyst and it's going to push us to say, the kids are going to come back with their own YouTube channels. They're right. going to come back with their Instagram accounts and they're going to say, this is how we like to learn. And this is like how we like to share. And just like, you know, Joe, you were saying the um, news channel, they want an authentic audience. Right. Right. They want people who can see their work. And I don't remember if I had said this before, but my son calls it trash can work. He's like, why would I just do trash can work when it just, I know it's going to go into the right. teacher and it's going to go the trash can instead of my friends can see it. Parents can see it. The world can see it. It matters so much more. And I same thing it, for me. I call it the blue, the blue filing cabinet because our recycling bin is blue. <laughs> so, yeah. So. You know, like, where are you going to file this? And, and the kids know that because maybe it might be if, if they get an A, right, it might be on the refrigerator for a week, maybe a couple weeks. But after yeah. that, really, like, if, if their mom and dads are, are, are I, I don't know how to say, you know, if they're, if they're going to save everything, then it's going in a box in the attic. So yeah. really, then still, <laughs> who sees it? But right. to throw it out right. there, Ron and I talk about, you know, like, oh, this guy in England you know, all the way across that ocean, you know, where you can't see the, yeah, this guy said that was cool for an eight year old. Oh my gosh. That's, that's for a 40 year old. Right. It's still cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, oh, we you have definitely be, had that experience where I go. to be noticed. Yeah. Hey yeah. Joe, Don Wetrick just liked my tweet or right. retweeted. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like validity. Holy smokes. Yeah. Something, something I did or something I said is, is is worthwhile where someone else is like, hey, that's you know that's pretty cool, um, and it, and it might make you want to hustle a little more the next time yeah. you do it, or or put you know, oh, if he liked that, let me let me put some effort into it. Um, and well, really, I think I, that's also the the community too, right? Learning is social, and so like if you see that community and people who are who are recognizing your work, but also how do we create that for kids so that they don't just have to learn from the teacher. They don't just have to, you know, and the teacher then connects them to everybody else. But how, how are we creating opportunities for kids to learn with one another and be in community and talk to each other? That's something they're desperately missing right now. And, you know, my, my daughter said, 
I got to see somebody else's work and I got to edit somebody else's work. That was exciting. That was a highlight in the day because it was like some connection to appear that they don't have anymore. And I, we don't always like recognize that, but they might be on social media and talking to each other, but my kids, you know, they don't have that social media network and they get each other, they, you know, hang out with each other, but get very sick of each other also. So just that opportunity to talk to peers, see them, um, is, is so, so important. And you talk about the learning and it's social and, and being creative. And I don't know, Katie, did they, did they get rid of state testing in California? They did. So they, so they did in Jersey as well. So, so then how, how important is that testing, right? Besides, besides, I guess, as a moneymaker and does the testing, does it, does it test them on how they work with someone else, how they're creative, you know, like, does it, does it test all that stuff that, that it goes back to what, the schools say they really want, right? right. We want this, but yep. we're going to ask you to do it this way. And, and, it, and yeah. they don't necessarily, or not that they're going to ask you, but we're going to, we're going to see if you're like this by testing you like this. And it's almost like right now they're not, they're not, it, it's not matching up, right? It's, it's like trying yeah. to measure apples with oranges. Yeah. And that misalignment is what really drives people crazy because they say one thing and are tested and driven towards another thing. And that's right. really frustrating. And so I, I really truly believe if our, I mean, in California and what I'm reading across the world is that even if we go back to school next year, when we go back to school, it will not be a typical five days a week. It will right. not be, you know, 20, 30, 40 kids in the class that we will be going um, and have a variety of structures. And I keep thinking of it in three ways. Like there will be some kids who probably go to school full time who are, need services and they they're a self-contained class that's pretty small there'll be some hybrid options where you're doing two days a week or two and a half days a week in small groups and check in with teachers but you know you won't probably have 20 of your kids in your classroom next year at the same time and then there's going to be some need to be fully remote because some families just won't be willing to send their kids back with the uncertainty And so given kind of the need for so many models next year, it's really important to think about like how, how we start to think about assessment. And I also think because of that, there will not be testing next year either. And if there's not testing for two years in a row or even a year (laughs) that is reliable, what are we going to do in the meantime to show a different model? And so this is going to be my mission for the next year and a half is to really ramp up, like you said, Joe, how do we show kids are collaborating? How do we show evidence of their growth and learning over time, them interacting and creating in ways that are gonna really show evidence of what we say matters and and create an alternative for a standardized assessment? Wow. Right, and I mean, are, are you gonna do Go Portfolio? Right, how yeah. is the state gonna grade a portfolio? It's, it's well, and, you can't throw it into a machine. <laughs> right that mcgraw hill might not like that right or, or, or um, whoever does yeah they probably won't and that's what who cares right the thing is we have we have a testing industry and not to get too political but that drives education instead of education driving how we test and assess and grow our kids and we right. know that assessment for learning and that self-assessment growth goals all of those things are what matter and what drive all of us to learn and grow, but we we haven't really figured out because we've been so anchored by the previous system. So I don't know if you see the quote behind me, but it's one that I keep repeating by Oliver Wilde or Oscar Wilde is without if I can say it, without structure, nothing exists. And that's our current system for so long. It's been structure, it's been safe, everything has been able to exist as is. Without chaos, nothing evolves. And so we are in this moment of chaos that we have to lean into so that we can really see and make that evolution that our world has made and to catch up our system with the world. um, I think there's a great opportunity. Well, they say chaos precedes change, right? And I forget, I forget who, who, whose quote that is, but that's chaos precedes change. And that's it. Like, yeah, this is a crazy situation, which will hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see some changes. We will, but we have to, to see the right changes. We have to lean into that. No doubt there will be changes in the world after this. It's about what we want to pull forward to the next phase. Um, 
and what we think is the most important. There's, and then, so what can we deprioritize? That's the other thing I've been talking with families about, with right. teachers, that we can't do it all right now. It's impossible to be the best teacher, the best administrator, the best mom, the best wife, the, you know, and the best human in, in this challenging environment. So what are the things that we're going to deprioritize and what are the things that really matter the most? And those things that matter the most, let's carry them forward. And the things that we could deprioritize, let's leave them behind. And I think teachers of like minds need to, you know, there are times where you just get bogged down and you kind of say like, all right, I don't, I'm just going to shut the door. I'm going to teach the way I want to teach to make sure that I know I get these kids learning. We all need to probably stand up and, kind of unify a little bit and stand yeah. maybe a little stronger um, to make sure that, you know, what we're seeing and what we want to see in the future continues. Yeah. And I think, Ron, your, your point about the teachers starting to use, both of you, the teachers started to use more technology tools. You can use that example because there was a need and they saw the goal. If we can help more people understand the goal is not to pass a test. The goal is really to create learners who are capable and able to make decisions and navigate a complex world and uncertainty. Like those are the things that matter for our kids to be successful. Right. And, and if we can help more teachers understand that as their role, rather than getting through the content, I have no doubt they would say, let close my door and let me do what I'm going to do. Cause I know it's right for these kids. Um, because I, I have never met a teacher who doesn't care about doing what's great things for their kids. I we failed. just have different understandings of what they are. Well, and, and I failed so many classes in high school. I failed so many classes in college. And, and I try and tell parents that because it's, it's okay to fail a test. It's, it yeah. stinks. You know, you fail a class and you want to take that class to pass. Like, yeah, you got to go work and, and get the money to, to pay it again. But I think I'm a really good teacher because I failed so much. And, and, and you know what I think is funny? What's failed was, was that same system, like sit there, take these notes off the board, yeah. diagram these sentences, um, and, it, and it doesn't work. And, and Ron and I will tell you, or Ron will tell you, like if we need to figure out how to do something, we YouTube it. We YouTube yeah. it and then watch the video or, you know, then there's all those different avenues so to deprive the kids of that. And it's, it's horrible. It's, 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 just, yeah. it's, an interesting, it's interesting that it's still happening that way. It is. So I'm wondering if you guys have already or think about it, have you pulled your kids and asked them, what do you like about this oh, learning yeah. remotely? What do they say? What are your kids saying they like? They, they do. They do love the fact that they can they can address it when they want to. And, okay. and we have some kids that get up, you know, I, I, I'm able to talk to 20 kids regularly through the week and parents. Yep. Um, what everyone loves about it is the meets when when we use google meet and we get together um and yeah. we actually have to start doing it more because they look forward to it and and it's not hey you didn't do this or hey you know we're missing this it's hey how's it going <laughs> what'd you do today and and we set up the routines like we'll go in number order reverse number order or girls <laughs> first or it's a dude's day so all the guys can talk for it you know like you just we have fun because that's what they miss the most. And, and after about a day or two, these kids are like, we want to come back. Mr. DePaulo, yeah. when's this over? We, have our, we had our vice principal in on a meet. And that's those, uh, and we had her on the show a couple weeks ago. And that's what she said. Like the, the question yeah. she's getting the most, when are we coming back? Um, yeah. You know, they, they do like the opportunity to, to do it on their own. Um, but, but it's hard, you know, like one parent says he won't do anything for me, but you know, I told him the, the writing's not very good and I think you could do it better. And she goes, you know, she emails me, is it good? And I said, you know why it's good? Because he did it. I said, but if he was in class, I would say, hey, there's no punctuation. Where's the dialogue? This is a beginning. Show, not tell. And then I get an email back. Thank you so much because all of a sudden now he's back into it. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> they really do. And it makes me and, and my co-teacher feel great because we build this rapport and we build this sense of community uh, where they know they're safe. They can come in, they can be, you know, at eight years old, they can be quirky. They can be weird. They can, they can like, you know, they can like sports or they can like Legos. They can, we have boys that yeah. like unicorns and, and you know what? We have boys that, that give presentations on rainbows because they like rainbows and, 
And, you know, as a kid, I don't think that would happen in, in one of the classes. Like if you were a boy when I grew up, you were a boy and you liked boy things. And, and it's like, it's, it's not like that. And, and we love that, that these kids awesome. can come in and, and do their thing. Um, yep. But it is like, it, it makes us feel good because we know we have this great community, but it's sad because they miss us. And, and yeah. besides, you know, the meets, they, they, we, six, six meets we had last Friday and it was draining and, the, and the kids are just so bubbly and, you know, and, and it's great. And we get done one meet and, and the phone starts going off. Oh, thank you so much. They look forward to that. And it's the highlight of their day and blah, blah. And, you know, like that's, that's the best part. Cause you know, yeah. what you did from September through March is, is paying off because they, they miss it. They want it. And, and they're saying, Oh man, why this year? Why did it have to happen yeah. this year? Um, so, you know, they're, well, they're, there's, there's a, a, the parents now, and the whole world has a better understanding of the insane role that teachers play um, and schools play in our communities. And to be able to see now day in and day out what kids are doing and the relationships and how excited they are about school and their classrooms, um, I think is something that we all took for granted in some ways. And, but I think Ron will tell you, my room, I run a really laid back, smooth, not, I don't want to say smooth, but it's, we get work done and, and we have that sense of community and we build the relationships so the kids work for us and it's, you know, it's seamless. And, and I noticed, I think in January, I'm like, we are driving these kids crazy. We go from math, from reading to writing to a special and, and, and they do it and they do it seamlessly. And, and, it, and January, I said, guys. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've opened up to these little eight-year-olds and I'm like, I'm, I'm, you guys are great. And, and we run a smiley face, frowny face board, us versus them. And, and, I, <laughs> and even over, over these past couple weeks, I saw this brightest little boy who I couldn't, and I think we have a fun classroom. I couldn't light that fire underneath him for anything. And the past couple weeks with two subjects a day, it's a mate, like he's, he's doing things where in the classroom I knew he could do, but I would always have to go back and say, Hey, you're not doing this or, Hey, what do you, you know, like what, what's going on here? And, mm-hmm. and I even told his mom, like I, I, I was banging my head against the wall cause I thought the classroom was awesome. And, but it's where he, he was, he hated, he hated to school and as, and as cool as I thought it was to learn in my yeah. classroom. It was still going from math to reading to writing to, to this and to that. So my whole thing is next year, I know I have to have nine periods and I know I'm supposed to do X, Y, and Z, but man, how can I tweak it? So it's, it's not work, 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 work. And even though it's fun and, and I assume it's fun because the kids do it. And, and I mean, you know, Ron, yeah. right? Like we, we yeah. have that whole brain teaching model yeah. and there's a lot of movement. And the one little boy, he used to tell us, he sits there all weekend like he's a hunter. I sit there all day on the tree stand. I don't move. And the, the, my cooperating teacher goes, Joe, why don't we make him a tree stand? She goes, follow <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, Ron. Yeah. And you know what? What's the end result? That he's paying attention to the teacher. And, and then, you know, all this happens. And I'm like, you know, Ira and Pam always talk about the tree houses, you know, yeah. the tree houses in the cafeteria. How cool would it be if this little kid comes in, it's like, hey, how you doing? Knocks his stuff off and, and climbs, climbs up. up into a tree, <laughs> tree stand in your room. <laughs> and and yeah. all his work from the tree stand, you know, like. Well, you, as you were talking, it made me think one of the things that I hope we get rid of is the crazy schedule. Because as you know, as you juxtaposing what you just said, they like the freedom to choose when they do things. They might still have to do reading and math and they might still have to do their writing. But if, what if it's a must do, may do, you know, like here's right. the things you have to do today. Make choice, choose when you're going to do it. Choose when you want to get it done rather than like everybody has to be on the same schedule. Um, and I like what you said, the kid hated to school, right? Like how do we not make it school? How do we make it more right. about learning when they come back um, instead of making it more about school? Right. Because there's, there's such a difference so many, yeah. between learning, education, and school. Well, and then you think like, how can they have that option if I'm not up there teaching? Well, if you have recorded lessons that are three, you know, three minutes putting forth a concept, then then the kid can come in 
and do math when he wants because if you teach him in September, hey, this is how this is how we do math. You know, when you're ready to do math, you do this, you access this video. Um, I mean, it would look totally different and, and yeah, that's I, the idea. I, I lo- that's soon- exactly. That's the idea. Well, and as soon as you said it, I'm like, wait, but how? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, with the video. So, like, now my mind's going. Um, and Well, and I think the other piece is, and this is what I keep pushing myself, even as I've moved my classes online and I have not gotten it, you know, right. But this notion that, like, if I didn't teach it, someone didn't learn it. And, and I think we have that. Like, if it didn't happen in school or I didn't see them do it, then they actually didn't learn it. Instead of saying, how, how can you learn this information? Here's what we have to do. What are your resources? How might you learn? Might be from the teacher. It might be from a peer. It might be from a YouTube video. Um, mm. They might kind of just solve it on their own, but get letting them figure out how they need to learn things and what resources rather than assuming it all has to come from us. Right. So, I got to write this down. I got this <laughs> stuff. It's a good thing we're recording this. You yeah, right. back to it. I know. <laughs> And I know you have, Katie, I know you have a, another meeting coming up. So, you know, we don't yeah. want to hold you, but maybe at some point we can do a, a part two or, you know. I'd love a, to. Yeah, we can check back on all these great things yeah. that happened once yeah. we go back to school, right? Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you so much for taking time. I know, you know, I can imagine two kids at home, school, you're teaching, doing all that. It, it's a busy schedule, but. We really appreciate the time. My and, pleasure. And what you, yeah. what you put forth. Thank you. Well, it was great to talk to you guys. I learned a lot too. I have lots of notes just from our <laughs> conversation. Um, and I appreciate what you guys are doing and leaning in. Um, and I'm just excited, yeah, to follow up too and see what happens as a result. Awesome. Thanks so much, Katie. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Teacher nerds, teacher nerds, knocking on your door. Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. Give it a try, don't be shy, there's nothing there to lose. Worst thing that happens, kids get pain on their shoes. We're talking teacher nerds, I'm talking Thanks for listening to the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or anywhere you listen. Remember to visit teachernerds.com, and that's nerds with a Z. Follow us on Twitter at Teacher Nerds and on Instagram at Teacher Nerds Podcast. And thank you for being one of the Teacher Nerds.